Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Haze Hour podcast. My name's Jay Cooper, and as last month from Dubai, I'm joined by Zania. Hey, everyone. How's it going? We have a lot to discuss this month, despite the culmination of the mainstream football series. Last month has been a lot happening back um, behind the curtain at Presswich this month, as well as a return to action. I've got the agenda in front of me, so we'll run that down. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to a few of the uh, stalwarts from last season, a few of the players that have left the club in the month since the previous episode of the podcast. Um, but as one door closes, another opens. We've got some new signings to discuss and some new signings that you will hear a bit more about, hopefully, if you keep an eye on the Twitter in the future, in the near future. Uh, we've got Hayes return to action in our first friendly, um, first pre-season friendly ahead of the 2021-22 season, which would be our first ever in the... Um, Northwest Counties League Premier Division, something to very much look forward to. Uh, a few more friendlies to come in the month of July. We've got a lot to um, look forward to. The fans will be back for those games as well. We've got seven more friendlies before the uh, end of the month, which is um, a hectic schedule for the boys. We've also got some interviews with new Presswich Hayes signing Taylor Share, as well as bringing on Hayes physio Mary Priestner to discuss Pride Month that's just taken place over the course of June. And as we do, we'll discuss a bit of mainstream football as well. Thank God for the Euros, otherwise that would be talking about Wijnaldum signing for PSG. And <laughs> that would be it. Um, so thank God for the Euros. And, oh, we have a lot to discuss when it comes to the Euros. It's been a very interesting tournament thus far. First things first, let's say goodbye to some of the players that have left us in the previous month. The players that have been confirmed who have departed the club, they include the likes of captain last season, Jacob Holt, midfield uh, general Alfie Belcher, uh, trickster Will Shawcross, um, veteran Jamie Sinner, amongst others, they will all be missed. But, you know, that's football. That's what happens during the summer. Players leave and it's unfortunate to see. Um Zanir, what would you say is like the most shocking transfer you've seen in recent years? Uh, most shocking transfer would mm. be... Oh, wow. Um, I think it would have been Holland to Dortmund, to be honest. I didn't really? expect him to go there, yeah. And it would be Wijnaldum, but I just think that that's fresh in my head, that's why. Well, yeah, I suppose so. That's obviously the main one from this summer. I think uh, Memphis Depay has also been confirmed for Barcelona, which is yeah, a big yes. one. Yeah, um, but I, I would say Haaland. Really? I think the most shocking yeah. departure for me in recent years would have been, um, I guess you can call this recent years, I think it's been three now, would be it would have been Ronaldo to Juventus. I think just for the price tag. For, 400 uh, for million, yeah. And those wages yeah. as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know that's football. We see uh, we see players come, we see players go, and some players make their legacies. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, however, when one door closes, another door opens, and with the departure of some of our key players, we've also been lining up a few new signings, some of which have already been confirmed. The first of which, share someone who's featured for us in the postseason friendlies during the end of the 2020-2021 season. The 20-year-old joins us from Earlham, where he made a splash by breaking into the first team, aged just 19. So he joins Hayes with a lot of promise. As a boyhood Man United fan, very much like yourselves in here, um, he's played football throughout his life, including at academy level, and he shows no uh, no signs of slowing down. Uh, And he said in the... um, lead up to his signing he said that he want that his main goal is to play as much football as possible and cement his place in the starting 11 now that he's joined up with Barney's side uh, with the departure of Jacob Holt the stiff competition for places at the back though the likes of Bellamy possibly won't be um, wanting to relinquish their first team place but Cher has said his most important ambition for the upcoming season is to enjoy his football and help the team carry on moving on which is exactly what we like to hear the next new signing to be announced was midfielder Sam Dickinson, another player that featured for us during those postseason friendlies at the end of last year. 25 years old midfielder, and he joins us from Nelson, where he was club captain. And he might not actually be too unfamiliar to some of the Hayes faithful um, because he's played against them several times. I caught up with him. Um, upon recently moving to Manchester, he was courted by Barney, and uh, he's played against Hayes a few times in his career, as I mentioned. 
He's familiar with the club setup, he said, and the vocal fan base and decided it was something he wanted to be a part of. Uh, the quote, the takeaway quote that I got from him was that he wants Hayes to be in the mixer with as many games as possible. Despite being newly promoted, his attitude is that Hayes are not just there to make up the numbers. And that's exactly the kind of attitude that the team will need going into the Premier Division next year. And another name that Hayes may be familiar with, Hayes fans may be familiar with, with long memories, is Anthony Hall, who rejoins the who rejoins the club for the first time in five years, 24 years old. And it's not the first time he's featured for us, um, playing as a winger at the Eddie Moran Park, age 19. Uh, another boyhood Man United fan, has worked with Presswich and with Barney in the past. And he says he knows the ambition of this and the intent of the club and he's buzzing to get started. And again, that's exactly what we, uh, we like to see. Uh, in terms of personal goals, he said he's looking forward to contributing good numbers for the teams in terms of goals and assists. And we want to be up there challenging for promotion again. For sure, that is fighting talk. That's what that is. And it's if he's able to live up to that, that will be fantastic. Can you imagine another promotion seasons in here, back to yeah, back? Back to back, yes. That will be insane. And it's good to see all the signings coming up with, with the right attitude. Uh, yeah, and that fighting spirit that you mentioned. Yeah, it's always good to see. And I think that's exactly what Presswich will need uh, in this season. And they'll show that they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. That, yeah, that's what we like to hear from you as well. And you're not even a new signing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the attitude that we need. You're absolutely right. And that's exactly what will push us going forward, that kind of spirit. Um, one final name to mention as well that was confirmed in the recent days to the point where I haven't even been able to catch up with him yet is Lee Grimshaw, striker, um, big number nine to go up front and provide a little bit of competition with our favourite Jack Coop. Um be nice to see him in action as we did uh, in our first pre-season friendly of the uh, of the season against CMB, which we will discuss in a second. Um, but it's not the only, you know, it's not the only waves we're going to be making this summer in the transfer market. We've seen a few trialists feature for us um, so far, um, one of which actually scored in that game against CMB, which we will go on to discuss. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we may or may not have a few more signings coming your way in the next few days so do keep yourselves alert to the twitter but you didn't hear that from me um so as i mentioned hayes returned to action most recently in a 3-1 loss to cmb so as i mentioned hayes returned to action most recently and that was a 3-1 loss to cmb it's certainly a disappointing result not one that we would have been looking for yeah um I was looking through the Twitter page and I realized that there were two penalties that we conceded as well. And one yeah. was questionable as well, right? Yeah, there were. There's that second one, I I don't think even um, some of the dugout and the CM, some of the CMB dugout were um, surprised that that was given. Essentially, it was a block on the line um, by the body of one of the Presswich players. And it comes off his arm, which is sort of across his body. It's not, you know, away from his silhouette. It's around his body. It's not going to go, you know, he's not, he's not, it's not a handball. He's, it's more for general reaction and protection. And the ref spotted it and gave it a penalty. You know, of course, we're not going to get VAR at this level. Yeah, uh, that's frustrating, isn't it? And I also saw that there were a lot of youngsters that were playing as well. Yeah, that absolutely was. It was a team that was um, very much uh, needed time to gel because we have uh, we had in that team we had five youngsters feature three uh, feature three of which started two of which played the full ninety minutes. We'll go into detail with those in a little minute. Um, we also saw two trialists and two uh, official signings make their debut, and um, those being well, I say debut. Uh, we've already seen Sam Dickinson in action a bit toward the end of last. But since his official announcement, uh, it was his first game. And uh, the same applies to Lee Grimshaw. Uh, Two trialists, we won't give away names. We might be seeing a little bit more of them in future, hopefully, depending on how they play. Actually, one of them got a goal. So you never know, you might see him very soon. Um, And we've got a little bit of information on some of the youngsters that played. Now, we do have um, Ollie Scott, which is a name that a lot of fans will know. Uh, He does play a bit for the first team. We know that. But people forget he is still only a kid. He is younger than me which is terrifying, if you ask me, um, because he is a better footballer now than I ever would have had the chance to be. Um, he is only a kid, though. It is, you know, 
um, and he got 90 minutes, which is certainly something. Uh, um, alongside him in midfield, uh, and new boy Sam Dickinson, was Joe Simister, the uh, son of the youth team manager, Nick. Uh, he was pulling strings. He did not look out of place at all in that midfield. It was very nice to see that, and we'll see him a little bit more in future as well, based on that performance. We had a debut at right back for Tom Healy, and he was confident on the ball, giving us attacking options crosses into the box but he was subbed off just before the break and the quote we've got here from the physio is that he had the worst blisters that she has ever seen I don't even want to think about that because yeah. like you know I'm I'm dramatic when I stub my toe let alone <laughs> playing football with hideous blisters yeah um, speedy recovery no absolutely does not sound comfortable uh, but we did have a replacement for Tom, and that was Joe Walsh, another youngster. He came on and showed he's a rock at the back, not just in his age group, making some really good, strong challenges. And uh, the final youngster that featured was another defender, Will Lightfoot. He came on and played at left-back during the second half, pressed high up the field. I took notice of that. I noticed he was in the second half for a centre-back. He was had a lot of energy. Well, for a left-back, he had a lot of energy. And he was the player actually broke into the box, won us the corner that we got our goal from. Um, nice. Lovely to see that from a left-back getting forward. They were brilliant. It was brilliant to see all the young lads out. And hopefully we'll see a lot more of them during pre-season. And who maybe knows, season as well when it comes to competitive games. Um, and as I mentioned just before that, we also had two trials that featured one defence, one of which got a goal. Ooh. And um, the new signings as well, Lee Grimshaw and Sam Dickinson made an impact. You know, it takes time for the team to gel. And, you know, credit to them all. They put in a shift. And, um, okay, it's not the result that we wanted, but, you know, onward, we deserve. 3-1 was harsh. As you mentioned, the two penalties, one of which absolutely was a penalty, and that's with no bias. And it is, um, it'll be nice to see uh, more of those going forward. And going forward, we do have a few games yet to play. We've got friendlies in the month of July, this, so the boys are going to have a hectic schedule. We've got friendlies against Silsden, Glossop North End, who are the inferior North End, if you ask me, Elton Vale, Bootle, Ramsbottom United, Peniston Church and Hayside, all before the month is out. That's going to be a lot of trouble for me, and it's going to be a lot of work for the boys. Uh, it'll be yeah. nice to see, though. And, of course, the kicker is that fans will be back in attendance for those games. Hallelujah. Yeah, that is so nice to hear, finally. Absolutely, yeah. And it will make a massive difference as well. Uh, as we've yeah, seen, you know, sure. in football, um, you know, in football that's been on the telly, the fans getting behind the team, just roaring the team on, you know, when something happens, just that round of applause when they get a corner or when it's announced that there's four minutes of added time and the scream for an attack. It's just, oh, oh, missed it so much. It's so nice to hear. And that's exactly what we'll get at the AMP next season and during these pre-season. Sure. Something sure. to massively look forward to. Um, what game are you... Um, well, I know you're a United fan, Zania. Um, yeah. If you could choose any game this season to attend as a fan, what would it be? Uh, in any league or is it just the Premier League? Uh, okay, well, give us... Uh, well, I guess give us give us both. Give us the Premier League and then give us any. So, I think with the business that I think will be going down, uh, mm-hmm. it would certainly if if Chelsea and City get their their picks, I would go for City and Chelsea. I think that will be a massive game. Oh, Man the City Premier- versus Chelsea, yeah, yeah. The reigning Champions League winners, and then you have the reigning Premier League winners. I think that would be a yeah. game to watch for sure. It would be for. Yeah, I would. If I if I if I can come to the UK, that is definitely a game I'd be watching. After watching a few yeah. United game. Sorry? Who would you be supporting in the uh, Chelsea Man City game? The thing is, I dislike both a lot. <laughs> but if I had to pick, it would be the Manchester side. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't like Chelsea a lot more. Yeah. I just uh, hate them a lot more. Know. Yeah. Both. Uh, but, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, I'm obviously looking forward to being on or uh, most, if not all, of the press switch games next year. And for those weekends where I might not be at a press switch game, where I might be instead, or if there's no press switch game on, is a Preston North End match. Maybe against Blackpool. Just maybe. Oh, yeah, I remember you told me about this, yes. Yeah, I mentioned that last month, and that'll be a massive game for um, for both sets of fans in the Championship. Uh, but absolutely, I'd love to get on. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be living in Manchester next year, so hopefully I will be able to get on a few big Premier League games. Yeah, hopefully I'll be there too. Yeah, the have never sells out. There's always tickets available, isn't there? Yeah. Now, Hayes have had a busy transfer market already, and it's barely even July. As I mentioned before, our first official sign of the summer was centre-half Taylor Share, who joins me now on the podcast. Taylor, how are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? I'm brilliant. Thanks a lot for coming on the Hayes Hour podcast. Um, so, for anybody who wants to know um, a few basic details about Taylor, you can find that on the website uh, with the unveiling of his transfer. Um, I caught up with him when he first signed on the dotted line. Uh, but we have a few more questions for you now, going a little bit further into your, um, well, it's what you've already experienced as part of Hayes and um, your general sort of view on football. So, first question I have here is, uh, what made you want to be a defender? What made you want to be a centre-half? Um, originally, I wasn't I wasn't actually a defender. Obviously, mm. I've been playing football for a long time now. I've played just about everywhere on the pitch, apart from in goal. Um, yeah. It's, as I've got a bit older, and I've, I've, I've obviously, I've got, got bigger... And I realised that like, I don't mind a tackle. Um, so, obviously, I dropped into into fullback at first. And then it's only since I've come come to Hayes that I've actually been uh, playing in centre-half. All honest. right. Well, you've, yeah. uh, you've adjusted to the position well. Um, I'd like to think so, mate. Yeah. Um, been nice to see you uh, getting used to it as well uh, during the season. Um, we know you're a Man United fan. Yeah. Uh, who would you say is your footballing idol? Footballing idol. I don't. It's very. That's a tricky question to ask me. Obviously, as a kid, it's just your average or Messi, it's Ronaldo. Um, mm-hmm. Footballing idol, I'd say at the moment, it's got to be. You put me on the spot here. Uh, I'd say at the moment, it's it's got to be someone who who's gone from even though he's this even though he's a City player. You've got, I've got to say Phil Foden at the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, Phil Foden, he's, he's come straight from through the academy. And could you imagine how hard it is to break into City's first team as it was with some of the players that were in there already? You're talking about Absolutely. Silver, Especially, um, with their Silver, stuff like that. And he, he's, he's a young lad and he's, he, he's got his chances and he's took them. And now he's, he's cemented into City's first team and, and England. So you can't mm-hmm. really fault him. So I'd say... If I had to say an idol at the moment, as he's young as well, I'd say Phil Foden. Fair enough. See, I was thinking. See, before I got into, uh, before I got you on, I was thinking that it might have been like if you'd been a defender, sort of throughout your youth, it might have been someone like Vidic or Ferdinand. Oh no! Like obviously, as like I say, as I've only just recently become a defender, but I wouldn't pick someone as my idol just because they play in the same position. I've picked him as because of what he's achieved in such a short space of time. To be honest. Yeah, that's totally fair enough. Um, okay, well, you're obviously, you know, you're only 20, uh, well, you're 21 now. Yeah, just, um, just turned 21 yeah, now, yeah. I guess happy belated birthday. Um, and, um, you know, you've still, you've still got the, you know, a long way to go in your, uh, in your career. Um, yeah. what would you say is a, uh, is a highlight for you thus far though? Um, in terms of recent times or in the past? Um, okay, both. But, um, obviously, uh, it was, a, it was a footballing for me was a, a lot better as a kid. I was in, in through all the different clubs, mm-hmm. um, playing at quite high standards as I was a kid. But obviously, as I've got older, things happen. Um, fell out of love with the game for a bit, to be honest. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I started boxing for a bit. Um, did that for about really? two years. I still played football, but I only really used, I used to play for Solvent School Boys and just a Beachfield Sunday League team. Um, and then... As, as I started to leave school, that's when I started thinking, well, I, I kind of missed playing a, a decent standard of football. So then that's when I went to Earlham. Um, mm. But I'd say a highlight, a highlight to me was probably when when I was way, way, way younger, um, probably getting my first uh, first academy contract ever. And that was probably like the, the peak the oh, right. of my, my career. Um, obviously, it only lasted a couple of years, but that was probably 
that's probably my best achievement football wise. Wow, oh, yeah. that's yeah, it's something to build on, absolutely. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in the back pocket, that absolutely. Um, well, you most recently played your first game since officially signing uh, for Presswitz, the friendly against CMB. What did you make of that game? Um, I think obviously we had a few, it weren't really our proper team. We had quite a few trialists playing, we had a few of the young lads playing who I thought they all did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we might have turned up thinking that we was going to do better than what we did. Um, they 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 battled quite hard. They kind of treated it as like a bit of a cup final. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was a tough game. It was a tough game. It was red hot. Like I've got really bad aviary as well, so I couldn't even breathe on Saturday. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It, I thought we was going to come back into it. There's a few questionable calls off the referee, but I won't go too far into that. No, well, yeah, we mentioned that penalty earlier yeah, on. In the I won't. Uh, there's a penny got given against me. My hands are by my side, but we won't go into that. Yeah, that's the one. But yeah, we won't, we won't go into that. Um, but yeah, I thought all in all, it, it was a tough game, mate. A lot of us have never even played together before. Like I mm. said, there was. I think it was only who was that who was actually signed. It was only obviously Russ in goal. It was me and Scott, yeah. uh, Sam Dicko in midfield, and we had Young Golly playing, um, and then. Obviously, Jamie Hillman now came on. Uh, yeah. Jamie played. Jamie had a belting game. To be fair, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a tough game. But it's one of them. One of the first game back, still building fitness levels. Um, not not going to take it take it too much to heart. And obviously, we'll build. And we've got more of a test coming up on Saturday away to Silsden. Well, that's where I was going with that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, time for the time for the new faces to gel together. You know, yeah, exactly. Exactly, mate. Absolutely. You know, and it's that's the point of these friendlies. Obviously, uh, we still have uh, seven games left uh, pre-season wise, uh, all coming this July. Uh, what are you looking forward to or expecting from the remaining friendlies? Obviously, getting some proper minutes in against um, some some really good teams that I've never actually played against before. Um, mm-hmm. And I quite I like the idea of you know getting on the road with all the lads, um, getting on the coach and stuff. I feel like um, just it'll it'll make us it'll it'll help us bond together and gel together because obviously I'm I know I've been there for a while now, but I'm only just starting to gel into the team myself. Um, obviously, it's building relationships with, with the other lads as well, um, and obviously mm-hmm. it'll give give some of the the fresher lads a chance to do the same. Um, but yeah, I think I don't. Who've we got? Who, who've we got coming up? We've got Silsden. Yeah, so the upcoming friendlies that we've got are Silsden away. That's uh, that's tomorrow at the time of recording this. Uh, the week after that, we've got Glossop North End, uh, Elton Vale, Bootle, Ramsbottom United, Peniston Church, and Hayside. They're all over the course of July. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking because there's, obviously there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of clubs in there that are actually in, in the league above us. Um, they've just been gone up. Like we've got Bootle again. Um, Bootle was actually a really good game. I'm not sure if he was there or not. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a belting game. Um, I imagine they probably made a couple of signings as well as uh, yeah. as they've just gone up into. Is it the Evo State North? They've gone up into. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Northern Premier League, is it? Um, yeah, I think it's called now. I don't think they call it Evo Stick anymore, do they? No, it's but, a different. Uh, yeah, it is that. Like, it, yeah. Is the one away or is it neutral? If I'm correct, um, the one that we've got coming up on the 17th of July is a neutral ground. I'm not sure where that'll be yet. Well, it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a gutting one that because we played on. I think that uh, we played on their pitch and it was absolutely belting. That was a we their place. I was there for that game. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was a really good game to be fair. Uh, mm. But yeah, a, I'm I'm just quite kind of looking forward to. Uh, Playing playing a few of the higher teams just to give us a bit of a test, you know, see what it's like in the league above. Because obviously, we're not mm. just in. We we've not just gone up into the uh, into the Premier Division just to stay there because we're we're obviously looking to go up again. Absolutely. Uh, so it will give us it will put us in good stead, I think, and it will obviously prepare us for for the season ahead um, in the in the Northern Prem. That's exactly what we like to hear. Um, so. Um, we've got all those friendly games going up to twenty seventh, uh, the twenty seventh of July. That last one yeah. is against Henderside at home, um, and I'm not sure if you've seen this already, Taylor. But uh, today, released on the Twitter, were the uh, first few fixtures we've got in the league. Yeah, yeah you have some uh, yeah, Just in case anybody, just in case anybody listening hasn't, we've got Northwich Victoria the last day in July, Charnock Richard on August the tenth, Barnswick on August the fourteenth. That's Barney's old club. Uh, Macclesfield, the big one, on August 17th. That's away as well. Um, Congleton on August 21st. 
Winsford United on August the 28th and Avro on August the 30th. We've got a busy two months of football ahead. Uh, same question about these competitive games. What are you looking forward to or expecting from those? I think we all know um, that Macclesfield away on the Tuesday night is going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we've got the Avro game. I don't really know much, too much about the other clubs, to be fair. Um, mm-hmm. I know we played Northwich. Not we played Northwich mm-hmm. in the last game before we broke up. For it a, was, a yeah, that, that was our yeah, last postseason friendly Northwich, and that was at Avro's ground. That was at Avro, yeah. Um, I thought mm-hmm. out of that game as well. We should have won that game. Um, we had. Was you there that game, mate? I was, yeah. Um, obviously, you'll know. Then we had chances after chances. We could have. Def- yeah. I, I personally thought I could have defended better. Um, we had obviously a few good performances and stuff, but uh, that game could have easily been won. Um, mm. they, they actually had Grimmy playing for him up, up top, who's now who's now time for us. Um, I didn't realize. What's that, mate? I didn't realize that actually that he'd uh, that he was playing for uh, for North yeah. yeah, Grimmy Grimmy played centre forward for them that game, and now he now he's one of us. Well, it'd be so, nice to uh, be nice to uh, you know maybe he could uh, give us the winner this time instead of them. Yeah, exactly. Well, I feel like we, we kind of own one, even though it was only a friendly. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, no game really a friendly in my eyes. So, we've yeah, not absolutely. forgot about it. We've not forgot about him. We're going to turn up first game of the season, ready and raring to go. But, yeah, other than that, I think Macclesfield Tuesday night will be a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, stadium. And What's that, mate? I was going to say, they're still at their old ground, aren't they? Uh, Macclesfield? Yeah. Are they not at the, big, the, the new stadium? Um, it's it's the uh, the one that uh, the one that they used during the league, wasn't it? Oh yeah, the... that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant yeah. they've got like a they've like downgraded. Yeah, they've got a proper. No, no, no. They've got a proper set up there. So I well, I was. Got, there. Um, I drove past it. Did you? Yeah, I drove it, past it yeah. for the first time on the way up from Alton Towers the other day, and I thought I'm sure oh, yeah. they're in our league this year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Stadium, mate. It is. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's impressive. Yeah, especially at this level. Yeah. How did they? How, how have they actually ended up in our league? Have they been demoted or what? What? Uh, yeah, they just went under financially and ended up. Uh, they did. They basically did what Berry did a few Berry years did. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Which uh, is cut the facilities, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, it, obviously, it's sad to see when a club goes under financially, but you know it bodes well for us. We get to go. We get to go away, and we get to have them at uh, at the AMP as well next season. Yeah. Something for the fans definitely to look forward to. Um. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest on the Hazel Podcast, Taylor. It's been brilliant to hear from you. Yeah, no worries. Been a, been a pleasure. Sure, all the Hayes faithful will be looking forward to seeing you play when we get back into the season. Yeah. Um, well, we, we, have the, we, have, we have the away fans coming anyway, so I'm sure. I'm sure they'll yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was so much better to have fans in this season, oh, even, even for the friendlies and for the um, for the friendlies and for the competitive games in August. Um, thank you so much, Taylor. See you soon. See you later, mate. Bye bye. So, Zania, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode of the Hazar podcast, there has been some mainstream football to discuss about the fact that it's summer. Just in case anybody's, you know, been sleeping under a rock recently, the Euros have been happening. Euro 2020 in 2021. Finally, we've got to watch these Euros. Thankfully, there's been no major hiccups when it comes to COVID this year. Well, not for the Euros anyway, not not for this, not for the summer. And we've been able to experience a very, very entertaining and interesting group stage and round of 16. As I mentioned, the day of recording this, um, this podcast is the 30th of June. That's the day after the culmination of the round of 16, which we will get into a bit of detail on in a second. But first, we'll talk about the group stages. Now, if anybody was paying close attention on the last episode of the Hazar podcast, I am rooting for England and Zanir, you're rooting for Portugal. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was. So, uh, we'll first talk about England and their group. Um, so, three games, two goals, that's it, both of which were scored by Raheem Sterling and none conceded. It was. I mean, you know, we won two games, I guess. It wasn't yeah, but, thrilling. It yeah, wasn't I just, thrilling. I just think oh, that uh, fans expected a lot more entertaining football, especially in yeah. that group. As a fan, I can attest to that. Um, you know, it's a group that 
you know, that, that Croatia team were the biggest fish apart from us in our group. And a lot of that team is ageing, is the wrong side of 30. So, and, you know, obviously they're the team that we lost to in 2018 in the World Cup semi final. So, you know, it was about maybe avenging that loss. And we did, we did, we beat them 1 0. Um, but especially that Scotland game. Did you watch that Scotland game, didn't you? Yeah, I stopped at uh, half time. <laughs> my, I couldn't. I couldn't my, I'm struggling to stay awake during that second half. It was so boring. Yeah. I so think much Scotland came with a game plan, though. Um, yeah, well, yeah, you know, do, you know, no disrespect to Scotland. They certainly um, put a, you know, they certainly, they played for a draw, didn't they, really? Because a draw right, for them. Yeah excellent result and it very frustrating one for the English so fair play to them and I don't think it helped that during that game England were a little bit rubbish if you ask me yeah they were yeah we I didn't want to see it but yeah like we came close in when John Stones hit the post with that free header from the corner but it was just after that we just it was just frustrating we just couldn't get the ball like we just couldn't get into a good enough position. Like fair play to Scotland, they you know their plan was was very visible and it worked. Right. Yeah. I just think it was the creativity that that was lacking in that English side. Yeah, absolutely. Just for that game, especially. Uh, then we came up against the uh, against the Czech Republic after that. Uh, another one 0 win, another Raheem Sterling goal. So I guess that's repaying the faith that Southgate had in him, despite a fairly underwhelming season at Man City. Um, yeah, sure. Another game that, you know, we tend to, the, the group games tend to follow the same sort of um, routine, the group games for England. We started off with, you know, an early flurry. We try and get that early goal. And if it succeeded, then we'd win 1 0. Yes. Yeah. They just sit back in the end. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, towards towards the end of the game, we did sit back quite a bit. You know, we did sort of, we took the 1 0, which, I mean, yeah, I guess I'm fine with, but. Yeah, I'm happy with the win, but but from a neutral perspective, which I suppose yours was, in here, uh, it wasn't necessarily very entertaining to watch. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the talent that the this England team has, you you expect them to just kill off any other team that they come up against, especially in that group stage. I'm about to say, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say any group, I wouldn't say any team, but um, but in that group, absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but they played safe and. Whatever Southgate's planning is, is clearly working. I suppose so. And I suppose that was a little bit more on display in the round of 16 game. That took place last night at the time of recording. And I'm still recovering a little bit. I won't lie. Um, England 2, Germany 0. Fantastic stuff. Like, you could not have, if, you know... You couldn't have told me that that game was going to go any better. It yeah. was knife edge for 70 minutes and then we got that breakthrough and it was just, like, I was in a pub and it was just, the place just exploded when we scored. Like, I was with a few friends that aren't even football fans and even they went mad. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't technically supporting England at that time. Um, but uh, when they got that first goal, I knew it was game over. I didn't. <laughs> I'll tell you now. <laughs> I wasn't, I mean, you know, I was, it, it calmed me a bit, but there was still a good 15 minutes of the game left. And, well, it's England. We, <laughs> we used to be, you know, we're accustomed to, some, to occasional disappointment, but I guess not. You know, we put it to bed. Harry Kane finally got himself a goal, his first yeah. of the tournament in the round of 16. Um, and it's finally someone other than Raheem Sterling that's managed to score for England. Of course, he did get the first during the Germany game. And um, um, I couldn't have really asked for a better result, if you ask me. Clean yeah, I think Maguire played really well as well. Harry Maguire, yeah, I think he did have a good game. Yeah, I think I think the defence was solid. The defence had a bit... There was a questionable choice, uh, at least amongst uh, the people I was watching the game with, if you ask me. Um, was Kieran Trippier playing in, playing in a wing-back role? I think he's much more of a traditional right back. Yeah, um, um, I, I would expect James to come there, but yeah, absolutely. I think um, every, I think all the pundits when they were putting together their starting eleven, like and Gary Neville, all put Reese James in at right wing back. Yeah, Just and uh, it it did raise some eyebrows as well when we didn't see the likes of Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, or Mason Mount. Yeah, uh, a lot of the creative players. 
you know, like we were looking, we were, you know, you looked at that team and there was a serious lack of just that creativity in midfield. Yeah, you're playing five defensive-minded players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, was, make sense. it, was, it was a five-pack and two DMs. Like, <clears throat> what can you sort of expect rather than a bit of a dull game from that? But, I mean, it was... And I mean to be fair, it again. I was saying this to the guy, uh, to the people I was with last night. It was an underwhelming game for the neutral, but yeah, oh. the pundit in me uh, did want to criticise the game for being a little bit boring, a little bit dull, at least until about seventy-five minutes when Sterling uh, turned in the uh, the first goal of the game. That's also it now for Joachim Love's international career. Well, maybe not his international career, but his uh, his Germany career as well. Oh yeah, that is yes. You'll see Hansi Flick from uh, now on. Former Bayern Munich manager takes uh, the reins with the German national team, and honestly, I'm quite glad about that because if we come up yeah. against Hansi Flick's Germany, I think we'd have stood a lot less of a chance. Uh, it's going to be crazy amount of goals. You'll see a lot of attacking football. Yeah, absolutely. If his Bayern, if his record at Bayern Munich is anything to go by, we're going to see a lot of goals from that Germany team in the future. There's a lot of young players in that Germany team as well. Yeah. Um, you know, players who are bound to make a splash, like Serge Gnabry, Leroy Sane, that Robin Goosen's had a great tournament. That full, that winger slash wing back, he's been all over the, oh, all over. He scared me during the Portugal game. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure you don't have too. I'm sure your memory of the Germany Portugal game isn't too fond, is it? We'll we'll talk about Portugal's group stage now, um, for your sake. <laughs> um, There's not much to talk about. Well. Uh, started the tournament with the 3-0 win against Hungary. All three goals came in the last 10 minutes, two of which from Ronaldo. Um, uh, he's, he's come onto that stage right now that every game he plays, is, is some sort of record being broken. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, with everything he's done throughout his career, he, he, he's, he's earned that right, to be fair. Yeah. Um, the three records were, if I can remember them off the top of my head, he became the first player to score 10-plus goals at the European Championships. Yeah. He became the all-time leading goal scorer at the European Championships. And he became the first player to score in five different European Championships. So that's 2004, 8, 12, 16 and 20. 20, yeah. Um, so you followed up that, uh, well, I guess 21. Um Followed that up with the uh, with the Germany game, and uh, for personal reasons, I did miss this game, and I'm quite gutted that I did because four two two on goals. Wow. Yeah, I mean the defense was in shambles. I think for that game, uh, we had a lot of like Nelson Semedo. You had Ruben Diaz both playing out of position, and mm. it was it was just really hard to watch. I think it's because we lost Jao Cancelo. Yeah, uh, due to COVID, so. Um, yeah, we had to play Nelson Semedo and it was it just didn't work out for us. I had Ruben Diaz in my fantasy league, so reading that he scored an own goal was not Yeah, I had, yeah I had him as captain, so I thought we'd get a clean Oh, shoot. did you? Oh, no. Moving on to the third and final group game for Portugal, you came up against uh, France. Well, that was a fun game to watch, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Yeah. And um, Benzema did something crazy as well, scored in the 46th minute and 44th seconds Oh, yeah, twice. I saw that. Yeah, that was a little suspicious. Second in both halves, didn't it? Because it was like I can't remember yeah, it was, the second itself, but it was like 40 plus, 45 plus one, and then 44. the same. Second. Yeah, it, it was the same thing. Forty-five yes. plus one and forty-four seconds, and then in the second half, we managed to get forty-six minute and forty-four seconds. Yeah, Apparently, it's exactly the first time it's happened. Though. I read somewhere that Peter Crouch has managed that in a game before as well. Really, I thought it was the yeah. first time. No, well, that that might be that might be just things I've that might be just nonsense I've read I've I've read on social media, but I'm pretty sure um, if you look for it, you'll find Peter Crouch has done that at some point as well. I never really looked into it; I just sort of saw it uh, floating around on Twitter. That's insane, though. So yeah, maybe do take it with a pinch of salt. But yeah, it was uh, it was a very interesting start. That uh, so, of course, you progressed into the last sixteen and uh, came up against Belgium. That's a harsh draw. Um, yeah, this is and with a lot game. of players in their prime as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's their golden generation, isn't it? That's the tagline that they've been branded with. Uh, they yeah. are the number one team in the world by a mile by FIFA World Rankings. And um, I saw the second half of this game. Well, I saw the I saw like the back end of the first half. I caught the goal and the second half of this game. 
it was underwhelming, I think, from two attacking teams with a lot of star players. But it wasn't um, a bad game of football for the neutral. I've seen worse games of football. Yeah, um, for sure. Especially and, at the end of the second half, I think it got very entertaining. Yeah. Um, you know, the kitchen sink came out for Portugal. Everything that wasn't tied down got thrown at Belgium, but they held their own and it finished 1 0. Um, which means that we are guaranteed new European champions this year. Yeah, I'm guessing you'd be excited for that. I'm not. <laughs> well, yeah, of course you're not, but uh, I certainly will be. And um, up next are the quarter finals, which we can run down for you. We've got England versus Ukraine after they beat Switzerland in the 120th minute last yeah, night. Yeah, I watched that game. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, in the pub, we were a bit too busy celebrating to pay too much attention. But <laughs> yeah, 120 minutes, you know, I mean, is there a better time to score a winner? Yeah, for sure. Um, we've got Belgium, who knocked out your team, Portugal. They go on to face Italy. Yeah. Uh, that should be a tough game, as you say. Um, we've got Switzerland. Well, actually, we'll, actually, before we talk about that, we'll talk about Switzerland-France, because that was some game. Yeah, I thought it was Spain and Croatia that was like the game of the Euros, but then France and Switzerland was, uh, it was a magnificent <laughs> game. And if it wasn't the game of the tournament, uh, game of the tournament, it was certainly the upset of the tournament. Easily, that's the world champions being dumped out by a team that, until now, had never made the quarterfinal. Yeah, I read that somewhere too. It was the first time in sixty-six years. That's the entire history of the Euros. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. And no, it's to, massive. To think that, yeah. Which, massive. Little, that, like, yeah, you know, the heir apparent to Messi, isn't he? He's the golden child. And I think that's a massive, notable clink in his armour. Yeah, and the fact that he missed quite a few really good chances against Switzerland as well. He and did, to miss yeah. the penalty on top of that, it's just it's not going to do him any good. No, exactly. But um, World-class players has been outdone by that, that, that Switzerland team. Yeah, absolutely. That Fran- well, to be fair, <clears throat> it looked like it was a done deal when France went 3-1 up. Yeah, for sure. But then the fans kicked in and I forgot, I think the guy's name is Harris, who got two headers. Oh, there, there were two goals from crosses as well, yeah. yeah it was, yeah, the guy, um, Seferovic got their first and their second, Switzerland. And then it was Garanovic, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. The um, Who got the equaliser in the 90th minute. And that was a hell of a finish as well. Oh, that was, yeah, he I didn't expect to... him to take that shot as well. And he did. No, he just rounded Kim Pembe, sat him on his bum, and then slotted it in the in the side netting. Like a real yeah. striker's finish that classy. Um there was another great goal in that game as well. Paul Pogba's is worth mentioning. About Oof, you know twenty five twenty five plus yards and he just picked out the postage stamp. Fantastic goal. Um and at that point it looked like Switzerland were gonna be sent packing, but they weren't. They roared back two goals in the last ten minutes, echoing Croatia's two goals in the last five minutes in their game against Spain. They held on through extra time, gritted their teeth, and they did the world champions on penalties, with the miss coming from Kylian Mbappe, the only miss of the shootout. From the neutral, it was very nice to see, you know, the underdogs make the difference yeah, for sure. and with the win. Um uh, Switzerland now go on to play Spain in the round of 16. Um, Spain that did Croatia 5-3 after extra time. That was another hell of a game. But again, I'm also sorry I missed. There was a terrible error in that game from Unai Simon. Yeah, I, I watched the game right after that happened because I was kind of expecting more because I wasn't mm-hmm. really happy with De Gea being benched on top. of. Oh, ah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean... I think De Gea might have had a bit of a giggle from the stands when that happened. <laughs> because that yeah, was oh, no 45-yard back pass and it just brushes off his shin and rolls into the empty net. Oh, that was funny. He just oh, he got it, he got it all wrong, you know, Simon. But hey, he blushes, I guess, in the end by his teammates and by Alvaro Morata, of all people. He's yeah. been given a lot of shtick throughout this tournament, but he managed to rattle a goal in during extra time and send Spain. so happy ball. for him. Yeah, it's nice to see. I mean, he, he's one of those players and he's 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 one of the players, he goes everywhere he goes, there's hype surrounding him and then he tends to underwhelm and he gets a lot of stick for it. But, you know, it's nice to see him just sort of, you know, it's nice to see him get a goal, get a nice moment. Right, yeah, uh, because he played really well. Um, 
they go on to play against the underdog, uh, the underdogs, the um, the giant killers, I guess, uh, Switzerland, and the final um, quarterfinal. Czech Republic versus Denmark is Czech Republic versus Denmark indeed, and that is a very interesting game because I mean. Well, Denmark beat Wales. I was probably expecting that to happen, but I wasn't expecting them to thrash them 4-0. Yeah, 4-0. Like, yeah. That was a comprehensive victory from Denmark. And, um, well, the Czechs, I mean, if it wasn't for that Switzerland-France game, I think the Czechs would have pulled off the upset of the tournament by doing Holland 2-0. Yeah, because of that red card delight, uh, delete, sorry. Yeah, that, but, was, yeah. That, was, that was one of them that could have could have very easily not been given. Because he's sort of he's falling as he handballs it. It's. But I thought he was trying to be a little uh, smart, but like trying to push the ball away. I don't know. Yeah, just but as I wouldn't he have fell. given it a red. I don't know. So you would not the ref. I wouldn't have given a red. Probably a yellow card, at the most. Yeah. If that had happened, and he had only been given a yellow card, it might have been a massive difference to the outcome. But the uh, the Czechs beat the ten man Dutch. And um, they go on to play Denmark now. We'll give a quick mention to the home nations as well. Wales, as we just mentioned, uh, crashed out in the round of 16 to Denmark. Honestly, I didn't give them the chance to make it past the uh, the groups, really. You know, there was a lot of... It was it was always Italy's group to lose. There was a lot of hype around Turkey. Um, yeah. And massively underwhelmed. They're, you know... Wasn't that it, was, was it disappointing. Sorry? Was it three defeats that Turkey picked up? Yeah, they only scored a goal in uh, and conceded eight. Oh dear, that's a woeful record. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they were they were the you know a lot of people were dubbing them the you know the dark horses of the tournament because they'd been on a bit of an undefeated streak before uh, the tournament kicked in. But either the pressure got to them or everybody was wrong or both because yeah. um, <laughs> they crashed out. Um, horrendously, and that let Wales uh, slip through in second. They managed to slip through in second ahead of Switzerland, who came third. Uh, but they got through on that whole, um, you know, best of the third place teams thing that's implemented. And uh, finally, give a quick mention to Scotland. And as much as I would love to just spend a minute laughing, uh, I'm not going to. <laughs> we were the only team. England were the only team that they picked up a point against um, after, as we mentioned, a very underwhelming game of football. Uh, they lost 2-0 to the Czech Republic. That fantastic goal from Patrick Schick from about 40 yards, catching David Marshall. He's having a great, like, Euros. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Schick, he's, he's in my fantasy league now because the Czechs are still going. Yeah, I did uh, not expect that. No, exactly. They, they've been the dark horses of the tournament. Forget Turkey. Yeah, um, for sure. They're having an excellent tournament, the Czech Republic. Uh, and then Scotland ultimately fell short to Croatia. They lost 3-1. At the same time as England beat the Czech Republic 1-0. Um, which, for, as an England fan, was nice to see. But, uh, you know, for the neutral, for a team that's not been in the Euro since 1996, you know, it's 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 never nice seeing the underdogs leave, I guess, seeing an underdog team leave. Uh, yeah. If I can see aside for, uh, for a second. Um, I didn't expect them to go through, though. I wanted them to go through. Yeah, well... It, um, would have made the tournament perhaps even more interesting than it's already been. Um, so, yeah, we've got the quarter forward to. And um, just a quick mention as well, because I'm guessing the majority of people listening to this are England fans. Should we get past Ukraine, Denmark or the Czech Republic, which is, again, a game that on paper we should win, and then that'd be the final. Not to um, put ideas in anybody's heads, but, right. you know, well, you know, you can, I, never, I, you can never say never in football, can you? Yeah, but I do think that if... England want to win this Euros. This is a uh, Euros. This is their best chance. Mm, one of our better chances as well, especially given the fact that some of the bigger teams as well that we could have come up against in the final have been knocked out, the likes of France and Portugal, yeah. obviously. And then you'll have Belgium, Italy kicking each other. One of them kicking the other out. Yes, of course, and they then, face each other in the uh, in the quarterfinals. So one of those is leaving then, soon too. And then the other team will probably kick Spain out if Spain go through. So yeah. Come on, England. Now, here on the Hazel podcast, we tend to look beyond football at times and discuss matters that affect the world in relation to when each podcast episode is released. Some listeners may remember, for example, 
when we had uh, Tom and Sue on from Sam's Gift, which is our partner charity, as guests on the podcast ahead of World Cancer Day back in February. Well, despite June being over, this episode, we're going to look back at Pride 2021, as well as the position of the LGBTQIA plus community within football and within sport in general. And here with me to talk about this is the Hayes physio, Mary Priestner. Welcome, Mary. It's nice to hear from you. Hello, Jay. Nice to catch up with you again. Um, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to come on. Um, so you don't mind me saying this, that you are a lesbian, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I uh, have a female partner myself. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. openly out and which is exactly you know it's sort of uh promotes a nice image for the club as well of course you know Presswich Hayes is a club that is welcoming to anybody regardless of sexual orientation or anything surrounding that um so what does pride mean to you personally then um well with with pride then obviously like a people may not know kind of through the the history of why june itself is is pride month so um pride month kind of started um mainly over in the us because that's when the uh, original stonewall rallies were um mm-hmm. where that happened kind of in in june way back in kind of 69 where kind of police brutality um went into a, a gay club and basically just beat and, and caused all sorts of um, chaos. And, and that happened kind of in June. And then it, it's kind of got out from there. So, yeah, June's June's Pride Month. And it, realistically, it's it's just kind of a little bit of a, an opportunity for LGBT people to, the communities kind of come together. Because... Um, realistically life should be simple there shouldn't be any dis- discrimination anyway it's a bit of a celebration um it's it's just a little bit of everything it's just making people feel involved making people feel happy and proud of of who they are like it's there it's mm-hmm. in the name <laughs> yeah absolutely um well i mean i've personally never been to any um what's it to any pride uh, events as much as i am a supporter of the lgbtq plus community uh, as is everybody else at Presswich Hayes. Um, what are your personal experiences with Pride Month? Have you ever attended any of the events or any of the anything else that happens during Pride Month? Yeah, so uh, a lot of the things with Pride is um, there. there is this general kind of Pride Month where all the businesses kind of jump on top of it. But actually within kind of the throughout the year, um different areas different cities will have a specific pride events mm. so manchester uh, gay pride is always the august bank holiday all right um yeah. other ones for for kind of in and around the local area uh, salford do one as well kind of at the, the beginning of um august um mm. but but they're realistically the the bigger local ones and the the manchester gay pride is is one of the biggest in the country after mm. liverpool uh, after sorry london and brighton um because it makes such a a big amount of money because people come from all over the uk to come to manchester pride um which makes so much money for then um lgbt kind of uh, charities and, and uh, acceptance and things like that so yeah yeah it's really good august bank holiday if you've never been to one then's your chance um <clears throat> so we can't talk about um you know the place of the lgbtq plus community within football and within sport in general we can't really talk about that without mentioning uh justin fashion this is a story that outdates me um for anybody who doesn't know for the initiates it's a really sad story justin fashion who was well, played in the Premier League and uh, he took his own life in 1998 after charges of homosexual acts, which was criminal in Maryland in America at the time, which was where he lived. The fact that that was a crime in America in 1998 baffles me. Um, he left behind Justin. Go on. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's absolutely mental. <laughs> it sounds stupid, right. doesn't it? But it's, it's ridiculous that it's true. Um but he leaves behind the Justin campaign, which is a campaign against homophobia in football and promotes the inclusion of openly gay footballers and anybody else who identifies under the LGBTQ plus community, uh, which is fantastic, you know. But it's it's just a sad thing that Justin Fashionu had to lose his life in order for that to be a case. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember that story breaking out? Because I'm too young for it. Yeah. No. Again, like it. So I'm only 93. So yeah, it was a. Uh... Right. early days for for me even um but it's it's just mad because there's still kind of 
uh, I think there's about 60, 70 countries uh, in and around the world where it's still a, a crime to be gay or or to have homosexual acts or, or anything like that. Yeah. So it's absolutely mad that in a country somewhere like uh, who were always so ahead with kind of like the the UK, a lot of the European places, America, yeah. for, for it to be um, a criminal act for so long. I know it's, it seems ridiculous, um, but that was only you know that at the time of writing, well, at the time of recording, sorry, um, 1998 is 23 years ago, and in that time we've come a long way. I've just got some names uh, here who are sort of massively involved in sports, and um, the first of those is Megan Rapinoe, who is a na- which is a name I'm assuming a few listeners will have heard before. She is the current uh, holder of the female Ballon d'Or. Uh, she's an openly gay woman. She is engaged to Sue Bird, who is the longest-serving basketball player in the women's NBA. Um, you know, it's two. That's two icons of two different sports, essentially. Yeah. And they are making that statement. You know, they are publicly engaged to one another as of October 2020. Uh, another name I've got down is something that people might have read recently or relatively recently. That's Carl Nassib. He became the first ever active NFL player to come out as gay. And that was this year. The fact that that is taken till 2021 for that to happen, it's it's progress, but it's nonsense that it's taken it's long this long for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's, there's always been kind of um, stigmas of, oh, when when somebody does it when that first person does it then other people who are there will will be able to um kind of feel slightly more comfortable but it has it's always been that stigma of well well let's wait to see what happens really let let somebody else go first let somebody else do this yeah. and and that's the worrying side of things because how long will it take before before it happens in the in the male game uh, at football yeah exactly um well, I mean, this brought back a memory of this because I remember this is quite an outdated stat, but I was watching an old, um, it's just an old TV show and the host of it was saying that he'd read a study that said apparently 8% of people would stop watching their team if they found out they had a gay player. That's a few years old, that study, possibly as many as five years old. But five years ago, let's say, that being true is ridiculous mm. and it shouldn't be the case at all, you know? I mean... Presswich Hayes is a club which is massively open and tolerant to everybody, no matter their sexual orientation or the way they identify any members of the LGBTQ plus community and any other form of discrimination that people might suffer. Presswich Hayes is not a place for that, you know? Um, yeah, but the absolutely. fact that the world of football, the fact that the wider world of football has been is ridiculous and, you know, strides are being made for that to change, which is fantastic you know positive change is coming and that comes with the um expansion of events like pride and the publication uh, the publicizing of um high level sportsmen and women um showing their support for the community yeah yeah absolutely like i think it, i think it helps that as well there's kind of um a lot more going into kind of inclusion, um, even like the the kick out campaigns. So the kick out campaign mm-hmm. was originally uh, tackling just racism issues, and then they they spread out as well, and they they're there for kicking out all types of discrimination now. Um, it's 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 campaigns like this, the Rainbow Laces campaign, that again it started in football and has spread all across kind of uh, rugby, cricket, uh, these these different sort sports like Jordan Henderson uh, scored his England goal the other day and in all mm-hmm. the pictures he was actually wearing rainbow laces while he played that game mm-hmm. um, but again it's something that only certain people who are aware of that community will, will know about that yeah or... um, well yeah that I see and you know you, uh, you had recently as well um, Manuel Neuer was almost got in trouble for uh, for his rainbow uh, captain's armband that he yeah. wore in the Germany game um and you know it's I, you know the the way for ruling is that you know they don't want pro political messages on the football pitch and as much as i understand that it's not a message of politics it's a message of openness and tolerance and that's exactly yeah. what the game and you know with um high level uh, athletes coming out or um showing their support that's exactly the stage where the game can get to and that's exactly what we need to keep happening absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. 
um, you know, I suppose the only way is up. You know, we've had some, you know, there's been some dark times in the past um, in elite level sport when it comes to um, the views on tolerance and everything like that. But <clears throat> with the way things are going, it is uh, football is becoming much more progressive and it is everybody's game. Uh, Mary, thank you so much for coming on and discussing this with me on the Hazard podcast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Perfect. Thanks so much, Jay. Take care. Uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll see you at the game soon. As I'm sure everybody listening to the games will too. We'll see you all soon at we'll the uh, at the games. Uh, thanks very much, Mary. That's all we've got time for on this edition of the Hazel Podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Zanir, for uh, for hosting with me again. Thank you for having me again. Um, Lovely to hear from you, and it'll be lovely to hear from, um, lovely to see, I suppose, our fans when we're back in action um, on Saturday, the 3rd of July. That's the next game we've got away at Silsden FC. So make sure you get your tickets now. They'll be available on the Twitter. Um, at least that's at the time of recording. By the time this goes out, the game, uh, the next game coming up could be Gloucester at North End. But make sure you keep an eye out as your way to get your tickets to those games. It'll be so nice to have fans back at the AMP, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way uh thank you to all our guests for coming on this um edition of the haze our podcast and up the haze we'll see you again next